ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Atkins Family Podcast. You are here with your hosts, Benjamin Atkins, and this is my lovely wife, Takia Atkins. <laughs> What's so funny? Why you can let me say my own name? Because last couple episodes, you want to say just Takia. <laughs> All right, what's your name then? Go ahead. Takia. See, exactly. That's why I am. <laughs> but anyway, since you want to play games, what will we be talking about? What will we be talking about today? We'll be talking about being young and married. Young and married, as you guys know. I myself, I'm 22. I've been married since I was 20. 21. Mm. I don't know. I can't wait. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. 22. Boom. 21, yep. Yeah. 21. 21. Mm-hmm. And uh, I won't say the kid's age unless she's willing to say it, but she's young just like me. I'm 26. Oh, see, she's still young enough to where it's not taboo, I guess. It won't ever be for me. That's good to know. Good to know. But yeah, so as you guys may assume that being young and married comes with its own unique set of challenges, none that are insurmountable, but... They are definitely things that should be discussed. And uh, we have some tips today for you that have helped us throughout our, you know, almost two years of marriage so far. And uh, hopefully they'll be able to help some of the listeners. But uh, let's get started. So uh, where do you want to start, Takia? I think a good place to start is expectation versus reality of marriage. All right, well, go ahead. So what? where do you think... I guess what I'm trying to say is, what was your expectation of marriage versus what your reality turned out to be? Uh, my expectation of marriage was going to be that I would have a partner, uh, someone in my house that I would be able to eat with, you know, chill with, talk with, watch TV with. And then uh, when we weren't doing that, I'd be playing video games or whatnot. Uh, I guess I wasn't expecting my life to change too much, but. I guess that was naive of me. Hmm. So what's your reality? My reality is I don't play video games. <laughs> uh, I think that's actually been a good thing for me. I'll probably get back into it sooner or later. But as of right now, I don't play video games. And that has helped me in my relationship greatly. Uh, I have to tend to my wife. I spend a lot of time with her. I say tend to her now because she's pregnant, so I literally have to tend to her. But that's just the name of the game when you have a pregnant wife. And then, you know, I watch a lot of TV now, but I watch it only with my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I would say that's the biggest thing. But um, I mean, uh, oh, yeah, I guess I don't just go out when I want to anymore. It's a lot of changes, you know, you have somebody you're accountable to now. And you got to make sure you run your decisions by them and things like that. You can't just live single and just do stuff. You got another person you got to worry about. Sounds like you're in prison. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it would sound like to a single person. I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm in prison to you. Don't get married because that's exactly what it is going to be like for you. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I would say that my expectation was that I think the biggest thing for me was having someone to build with. Um, Partnership, unity has always been very important to me. And I felt like marriage was going to put me in a position where I could really fulfill that and walk that out. Yeah, I think think the same thing. Also, I I didn't even mention about the fact that I would have kids and stuff like that. I think from early on in our relationship, me and Takiya both knew that that we wanted a big family. Those ideas still persist to this day, but I think the speed at which we will have that big family has changed. I think we've gotten a little bit more realistic. Just like our expectations was just, you know, five kids, it'll be easy. <laughs> now we're like, okay, we'll just take one kid at a time. <laughs> we're still definitely going to have at least two kids because we definitely believe that one kid is not about to be bothering us. They could entertain each other. (laughs) (laughs) We've seen couples that have it at least not an only child, but they have a single child who is extremely younger than the other children. Yeah. Or they do have an only child and that child has no one to play with. 
So then the adults end up having to entertain, you know, two, three year old for an extended period of time, which they would not have to entertain that same two year old because that two year old will have a little playmate and a little brother or a bigger sister, anything like that. So we're still going to have, you know, multiple children. We just will not have five kids just like that. (laughs) Yeah. Unless, you know. God says otherwise, that is not the plan anymore at all. Exactly. Well, I think, um, uh, so we had the, so yeah, the, the kids thing, that was a big thing for me as far as building. I mean, I've always wanted someone to share my life with also as far as building. When you say building, I'm talking about like financially building a legacy, uh, raising children. I think that's a big part. That's a very large part of marriage for me uh so that's what i think of when takia says building Hmm. yeah i think i thought now my reality is that we do do that but we do not do it the way i thought we would i thought like i think the big thing for me that was off was i thought oh you get married and you automatically just build and it's easy oh yeah no we still in there i think also in it yeah, you're, that's right. You don't build in this, is you don't just build from the beginning. And then also, I think, you know, we're comparing ourselves to like older couples because that's who we've been around. And then when I say older couples, I'm not talking about old in age. I'm talking more so old as far as their marriage goes, 10, 15, 20 years in the game. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing the level of, uh, you know, wealth they've managed to generate, the amount of kids they have just the structure that they have in their family. It just seems like they have it all figured out at this point in time. But we have to remember that we've been married less than two years. And not only that, but even if we weren't married, we still wouldn't even have our own lives figured out at this time. <laughs> I've been 20, 22, you know, if I wasn't in the military, I would just be graduating college, trying to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And Takiya being 26, she's already graduated college, but now she's going through, the phase of, you know, going job, going from job to job, trying to see exactly what she wants to do and where she wants to settle at. So, I mean, I've started to realize that people aren't really getting settled down into like a concrete routine into their 30s. And from what it seems is that like that's consistent across the board. And then once they get settled down, late 20s, early 30s, that's when they really start stacking each chips, start, you know, building roots because that's another thing we can't do that because I'm a military person Uh, but I've spoken to some people that are in the military and they've been able to do that one way or another Uh, also I mean being early in your careers you don't make that much money but you know once you hit 30 40 you're making good money so you're able to do more things so I think that's one of the things that that uh um, I can't say I expected it. Well, yeah, I just I can't say I expected it, but that's not the reality. The reality is we're mm-hmm. living in apartments. I mean, we're not poor, but we're living in apartments. We're still we don't have any furniture, even <laughs> though we have a kid on the way. We got a bedroom set, but we don't decorate our living rooms. And even with the baby, the only reason the baby has furniture is because my mom bought it. We probably would have just bought a bassinet in the crib and called it a day. <laughs> so like we're still young and mobile and still figuring out exactly what we want to do and how we want to settle down. So it's a very good place to be, but it also, if you get to, um, if you start looking at other people and comparing yourself to other couples, and especially older couples, you'll start to think that you're behind the curveball. but that's simply not the case. I think that's definitely true, especially since we are constantly surrounded by people who are older than us. Like you said, um, not necessarily older than us in age, but also older than us in um, in marriage years. So that's one of the things that I think is a pro and a con to our relationship because it allows us to kind of have a focal point, but then sometimes I think it also causes us to beat ourselves up when we're not in a certain place. Yeah, and then also I think about when, I've, when I used to do that now, I mean, it's still bad. I compare myself to my friends, but even then they're single guys, so they're not even excuse me, they're not even, um, they're not even running the same race that I'm running. Not that it's a race to like beat someone. What I'm saying is you start to look around 
who you're associating with. And it's just something that I feel like we all do as human beings. We compare. Mm-hmm. And I think at a certain point, it is you have to compare yourself to something because you have to make sure that you're doing something. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to know you're, you and if you're 50 and, you know, you're still working odd jobs. I mean, come on now. Maybe you had it rough coming up, but you should be settled into something at that point. But, you know, if you're 23, 24, 25, 26, hey, if you're still working odd jobs, I would hope you're trying to figure out what works, not that you're just working to be working. So now what I do is I look at other younger couples that are married and I say, OK, yeah, we're all like still just trying to figure this thing out. I'm talking about couples that are both in, that are married in their 20s. And then I look at other uh, people that are single in their 20s and I could use that as a reference for career wise for me being in the military. There's a lot of 20 year olds and young guys. And, you know, in as far as my military career, yeah, I can kind of be behind the eight ball, but there's nothing that I can't catch up with. So I think, you know, you got to start to realize that, hey, it's not all that bad. Just focus on you, you know, try your best and run your race. You got to have a blinders on like they put the horses like they put on horses. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think we've gotten much better than that. So some of the issues we wanted to break down um, with being young and married, I think the first one was communication. Oh, yeah, I think uh, that's a big one. I mean, anybody, every married couple that we've spoken to has had or currently has a issue with communication. I think as younger people, I, I would say that the issues that anybody would have some of them are amplified by being young and others are easier to overcome by being young. Mm-hmm. Cause for example, you know, if you get married older, like 40 or 45 or 50, your partners can be stuck in their ways. You know, they're, they're never going to change or I won't say never, but it's going to be much harder to change that person than if you got married to that person when they were 21, 22, 23, mm-hmm. because we're still in our development stage and it's, you guys get to grow together. Yeah. Uh, So with communication, I would say that is something that is amplified, but also it's helped by being young and married because, you know, your communication styles and you're still trying to figure out these relationship, this relationship stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's easier to learn that stuff together. At the same time, being young and maturity comes into play. And when communication fails between two people, as a young person, you may tend to make the wrong decision when it comes to handling communication uh, faults or errors. Yeah. And I, I would say that that has that has happened before in our relationship and we're still working out those kinks. But as we progress together, I think we're learning how to communicate much more effectively and much more faster than people who would not be in a relationship such as a marriage forced to do this every day and forced mm-hmm. to work on these skills. Yeah, I think I was thinking about um, like when we first got married and my communication flaws. Like I was horrible at communication because I kind of came into it with this whole, I guess, like the notebook complex, if you will. The the romance. Like, okay, so when we get married, it's new. He's going to know everything that I want. Like we're married, so he should know to do this and he should know to do that. And I think that caused me to not voice certain things. So I had these very loud expectations. And then when they were not met, I was very loud. So I think from the beginning, the way I dealt with communication was a lot of assumptions. Yeah, I think that's, you know, you know, the statement when you assume you make a blank out of you and me, right? Uh (laughs) Communications and expectations go hand in hand because, you know, in premarital counseling, a lot of times your premarital counselor will focus on what are you expecting to go into the relationship. And then also, I would say once you get into the relationship, expectations can change and or you realize that those expectations were not real, not not necessarily real. Those expectations were not realistic mm-hmm. as far as when it comes to your partner. And then when you realize those expectations aren't realistic or you fail to realize that you can then begin to assume 
mm-hmm. like that. And that can cause friction in the relationship also because you have one person who has these set of expectations that are not being met. And because of the lack of communication, these expectations are not being voiced. And then you have the other person who is sitting here wondering what is wrong (laughs) with their spouse because they don't know what's wrong. And then when they figure out what is wrong, they're mad that they didn't know what was wrong sooner. So then that causes another level of communication that needs to take place because now you're mad because I'm not meeting your needs. And I'm mad that you didn't tell me what your needs are. And I also feel like those needs are unrealistic. You see how this stuff can start building on top of each other and it becomes uh, not very complicated, but it becomes a uh, very uh, you need to put in the work and you need to be very intentional about breaking down everything. I know for me, I wasn't saying anything. Now, I did have a set of expectations that I didn't even realize in myself that I had. And uh, it took time for me to realize what those expectations truly were. And I'm not talking about like the picture stuff like kids and things like that. I myself haven't been being in been in a relationship before I got married. There were certain things in a relationship that takes place that I had an idea of what that should be, but I never voiced that, that idea. Like for example, like with the video games thing, right? So uh, Takia's love language is quality time. At the beginning, my love language was physical touch, and then it evolved into words of affirmation. Um, but the point of what I'm trying to say is when I, th- I thought that, you know, I could spend an hour with Takia and then spend four, five, six, seven, eight hours on the game because, okay, hey, I, I did the quality time with you, so I've fulfilled my half of the bargain and I should be able to just do this because, you know, this is what we do. Like, okay, we were together. We're not doing anything else. You don't, you haven't specifically voiced that you want something specifically done because that's another thing that I was like, okay, if she wants something, she'll just tell me, you know, I didn't realize that women don't want to have to tell you, they want you to just know, (laughs) or at least they'll tell you once. And then after that, they expect for you to get it, never forget it. And repeat that same behavior over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's fair. They want you to listen. But that wasn't my mindset at the time. I was thinking like, OK, she was one of the homies. You want something, you'll tell me. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> you, you want something done, tell me and I'll do it. Then once I do it, then OK, we'll go back to just doing whatever. Yeah. Uh, that was not the case. <laughs> Oh man, that's hilarious. I think hindsight is 2020 because looking back, the first year of our marriage was that specifically. That whole video game, the quality time. I think it it took me a while to understand what video games meant to you. And I think it took you a while to understand what quality time actually meant to me. And working through that was, it was pretty horrible because like you said, I think I still to this day struggle with that whole, okay, I already told you. So I expect if I say I want this, that you understand that this is a continual thing. And I think the hardest part for women to understand in communication is that your husband or partner is not trying to be funny. They really don't know. Like it's, it's, it's crucial that a woman understand that most of the time Men are upset because they don't know. And then we're not saying anything. And that tends to make the situation worse because of how men are made. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but tend to have this fix it complex. And if they don't know how to fix it, then I feel like it just becomes a thing of, okay, well, I tried. Goodbye. (laughs) Not necessarily the house, (laughs) but like, okay, well, I can't handle this, but I can handle that. So the area where I I know I'll be successful, I would rather spend time there than in this space here where I'm not really figuring anything out. And then it it's like you said, it becomes these um, these huge mountains that you have to cross when it was really simple. I wanted you to, let's say some days I will wake up and be like, oh, in my mind, oh yeah, we're just going to watch TV today, like all day. And I didn't voice that like at all. Right. That was dead. Well, yeah. I mean, we do that now, but I think that that's also because of the pandemic. But um, not voicing it 
And then I think another thing is kind of being, um, what's the word? It's not necessarily a shit. You're scared. You're scared to say what you want. And I think that's a huge part of marriage that people don't talk about either. Even though you love someone, that doesn't mean it's easy to voice what it is that you desire from your partner. Yeah, I would say that's definitely true. Voicing your desires and actually being open with someone and telling them exactly what you want. That that is still a rough patch for me. I think Takia has definitely advanced more in that field than I have. I would say I got like a C minus and she like got a B plus. Notice neither of us have a hundred percent and I don't think neither of the I don't think either of us ever will. But there definitely has been steady improvement in that area. I know for me, um, I think once you hear what your partner wants and it conflicts with what you want, I think there's two ways to look at it. At least it was like this for me. Either I was going to just acquiesce to whatever they wanted and I was going to put my feelings to the side because I felt as though because what they wanted conflicted with what, what with what I wanted, I would ultimately just think that what I wanted wasn't the right thing to want or it just, you know, yeah, that's really what it come down to. It wasn't the right thing to want. Or you would think that what you want is the right thing to want and you forget and just put what they want to the side. Mm-hmm. So, and it was two extremes for me. Either I was going to just do what I wanted or I was going to do nothing of what I wanted and do everything of what she wanted. And then at that, at the end of the day, I'm still going to be unhappy because if I did what I wanted, now you got an unhappy wife. <laughs> if I did what she wanted, now I'm doing what she wanted, but I'm not getting any fulfillment out of the relationship either. So I had to find a balance in that. And I'm still trying to find that balance to this day, but I definitely have a, not only have I been able to find more of a balance, but I've learned to enjoy what she wants to do just simply because she's a part of the process. Mm-hmm. Not that I didn't do that before, but now as I've been with her more and more, that enjoyment has increased more and more. I'm, uh, I would say my maturity, just like, like for example, the video games thing, I, that's just the biggest thing. Cause that was truly like, that was really causing problems. So yeah, don't <laughs> think y'all like, <laughs> if y'all having that issue don't think y'all the only ones and if y'all think y'all better than us because one of our issues was over the xbox <laughs> that's cool <laughs> all right you just keep y'all thinking y'all better than us self over there <laughs> <laughs> but what i'm telling you is so this was a serious issue and um what i had to get what what ultimately had to happen because of more than just uh because it was like distracting us. But what ultimately ultimately had to happen was I had to grow up and not saying if you play video games, you lack maturity. I lack maturity because I got consumed with things that had nothing to do with my wife. And that was another major point of contention. I do believe now I do believe that if I wasn't consumed with things, she would not have been have been as angry as she was during that time. (laughs) But for me, I had to grow up and get some maturity about the video game and about just uh, doing things outside of my wife uh, for extended periods of time. And it came down to learning to enjoy doing things with my wife and doing things that she likes to do and just being around my wife. uh, And it's not that I didn't want to be around her. I was just still stuck in a single mindset. Like, okay, cool. We do something like, or not even a single, the dating mindset. We do something, we go out to eat, but then we going back to our own places because I was living alone, too. Like I was <laughs> I was alone. She was still living with her moms. So like we would go do our own thing after we came together. But in marriage, there is no go do your own thing outside of, you know, maybe you get 30 minutes to an hour a day to just, you know, watch a show on your own. or I'll go to the living room. But there is no separate houses, separate rooms thing. You guys sleep in the same bed, eat the same food, <laughs> you know, drinking the same water, going out the same door. You're going to see each other more than you ever have seen uh, another person besides like your family members. But the only thing is 
the only family member you were accountable to as far as pleasing was maybe your parents. And that was just like obeying their rules. It wasn't, you didn't have to have a relationship with your parents. You know, as bad as that may sound, you didn't have to, you had to listen to what they say. But with your spouse, you had to have a relationship. You have to have a relationship with your spouse or you're going to be the most miserable person ever. (laughs) And I think it's funny because there, I think there literally were times where we would be in the house and like, okay, we come home from work and then you'd spend like an hour with me and then you go play the video games. And for me, that was a, that really was a peaceful time. Cause I'm like, okay, I can put my headphones in and I can write or do whatever, read, you know, great papers. But then like four hours later, <laughs> I'm looking for you. And I think then I'd be like, okay, you know, I'm gonna leave him alone. And then four turns to five and five turns to six. And now I'm angry. Yeah. What you tripping for? And, and that's we spent the hour was. together. Boom. Quality time. Now we go ahead and do our own thing. You got your headphones in. I'm playing the video game. Once you're done with your headphones, what now? Now I'm not saying I was right. What I will say is once you're done with your headphones, you can say something like, hey, all right, let's get back together. But you wanted me to get off the game. <laughs> like just, all right, we, we, yeah. we wanted to be synced up. See? Yeah. And there go the lack of communication. Well, here's the thing. I think it's romance. It's, it's the notebook and all the other stuff because- in my mind, it's like, I wanted you to want to be with me without me saying it. Oh, see, that's illusion you put in your head. And you need to stop. <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> where you get that from. But um, seriously, in my, it, was, it was just like, okay, well, obviously he don't want me because he can't on his own. And I think that's a, that's a big thing for women. What your man does on his own. Like, if I got to tell you to bring me roses, it don't have as much impact as, oh, my gosh, he got off of work and he brought me roses. So I think in the beginning of our marriage, it was like, you want to be around. Well, I wanted to be around you like all the time. And and that really wasn't the case because of personalities. Like you were, I think you called yourself a hermit. Oh, yeah, I was already solitary by nature. So, I mean, that's what gave some people that we spoke to before marriage cause to pause because they knew what they they thought that, you know, she was social and together and I was going to be solitary and that would cause conflict in our relationship, which I mean, it did. But that didn't that was nowhere near the biggest issue that we had. (laughs) That was nowhere near the hardest issue that we had to deal with. That right there is already dead and gone like that's done. We did. That has we already jumped over that mountain and we only been in a year and a half. Yeah. So that was not the hardest thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was nowhere near our hardest issue. So when she says that, what all it, all it came down to was communication. Of course, yeah. putting yourself in, in the other person's shoes and putting the other person's wants ahead of yours. Mm-hmm. And when both parties are doing that and making the expectations known and uh, making sure that um, the other person's needs are met, you know, it, 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 it's that simple as far as on paper, but in practice, it takes a lot of time. But when you look back on it, that's literally all you're doing. Yeah. And I think it's it's important because there are some issues that we just came in communicating well about. Like we knew we wanted a big family. So that wasn't a long drawn out conversation. Um, we knew we would um, make career changes throughout our lives. There are a lot of things that we just, we knew. And so we don't have to sit down and have a long hour conversation about how many kids we're going to have. But there are other things that we do have to put in extra work to communicate. And and I want I wanted to throw this in here because I think some people make you feel like you're you're not compatible if you on your own can't talk through everything together. And I think we have learned there are some subjects that we handle better with a mediator. Yeah, and that, that's that's been a big help for us also. We've been in counseling ever since the inception of our relationship. I probably would say within the first two weeks of us like officially dating. Yeah. We've had someone walking through our relationship with us. And uh, we're not ashamed to say that. I think that has been the reason why we have gotten so strong in certain areas and have improved in others that we are uh, still weak in. But, you know, we have always constantly worked on those issues. And uh, I think um, at the 
uh, the first podcast, we were talking about just having resolve, right? So we knew we had that. So we knew we were going to stay in it and stick with it. Now it's a matter of, you know, having the right tools, getting mm-hmm. the right people in your ear. Cause I do believe that, you know, you should have counsel, you know, choose your counsel wisely, make sure both parties agree on who you guys speak to, but you should have counsel, whether that's a marriage counselor that neither you guys know from a can of paint, or it's a, a minister that's within your church, you know, whatever you, whoever you trust, you know, you know, choose that counselor wisely. But, um, yeah, even now to this day, there are some conversations that we still have to have with counsel present. And we recognize that and we're willing to have those conversations with a third party present that we both trust to remain impartial in their judgment and their advice on the mm-hmm. situation that we're presenting them. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to do that as long as we need to, as long as we have someone who's willing to help us and walk with us, which I believe, you know, there are multiple people that we've met that are willing to do that. Yeah. Uh, we're going to continue to do that. And then we, we suggest that other people do the exact same thing because we don't think that we would be where we are today if we did not have conversations in front of other people to help walk us through that process. Yeah. Because I think the one biggest thing is, you know, the saying goes, you know, there's four categories of knowledge. There's, you know what you know, you know what you don't know, you don't know what you don't know, and you do know what you don't know. The most dangerous one is not knowing what you don't know, because that's what catches you completely off guard. And that's where people really need the counseling. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other category, that's like what you you do know what you don't know. You know, you'll need counseling in that area also, but be proactive in getting information of, of what you uh, don't know, what you, you do know what you don't know. So, you know, whatever you know, you don't have knowledge of, be proactive in getting that information. You can look at books and stuff. But the most dangerous area is that the part that you you don't know what you don't know. And those are usually the conversations that we've needed guidance in, not Mm -hmm. because, you know, she didn't know something or we both weren't in that predicament. It's because usually one of us were in the don't know what we don't know predicament. And that can cause uh, friction with the other person because Mm -hmm. they believe that the don't know, don't know person do know. (laughs) (laughs) Or things of that nature. But point is, get a counselor. Stay counseled. Always have somebody you can speak to. Not no girlfriend, not your girlfriends for the women and not your homeboys for the boys. Have somebody that's actually wise and somebody that actually knows both parties or doesn't know either party. Mm -hmm. Keep it on the level playing field so you can get impartial guidance. If you actually want it to work, don't just go talking to people. Yeah. And I think another thing that you that we have learned is that vulnerability, our ability to be vulnerable is the strength of our marriage. So the fact that we can be vulnerable and say, look, I can't even handle this. And I think it took us a while to get to that place because, well, me, it took me a while because I'm like, I see a problem. I solve it. It's really that simple. Like you, you, you figure it out, you research, you Google, you whatever. And I think I really had to get to a place where I was like, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing. Not at all. So we definitely need help. And I think that's the strength of a young marriage like ours is that very early on, we were able to be vulnerable with people. And that has caused us to really leap over some stuff because communication now, I feel like it's much easier. Um, Well, it was way easier than what it was in the beginning. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean that we don't still argue or anything like that, but we have tools. And I, one of our tools is uh, we use a relationship book. So there's some, some things, you know, there is no mediator in the relationship book. The relationship book is literally a book filled with our feelings about our relationship, about ourselves, things that might be uncomfortable to say out loud, things that Maybe you're processing through as you write, because one of our strengths also as individuals is we like to write. So that was something that we we brung into our relationship and it really, really has helped us. And I think those are things like that are things that people normally don't share because it feels like it's kind of corny, but it actually is a huge aid to our relationship. Hey, man, look, I keep it. I put it this way. A stupid guy once told me that it ain't stupid if it work. <laughs> right. And it works. It really does. Like 
it takes away some of the the drama of the conversation. So I think we've learned a lot when it comes to communication. And it really has helped us to grow in certain areas. Yeah, another guy told me also, every genius was crazy until their idea worked. Yeah, and it so far, so far is working. Yeah, it's definitely working. I would working, I would suggest that relationship book, log, whatever, <laughs> letters to each other. Written communication is basically the form of communication that we employ a lot in our relationship. And it has helped us tremendously. There are certain conversations that we simply are not able to have yet out loud in the most productive way. Yeah. We can talk out loud, but we know it'll be much more productive. We put our thoughts and feelings on paper. And when we respond to each other, we get a chance to read, digest, interpret, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. and then respond instead of react. Yeah. Because that is a big thing that we used to do in our relationship and sometimes still do to this day. Yeah. It's not completely gone, but we don't do it nearly to the extreme that we used to do it and to the uh, to the amount or how often we used to do it. Uh, now we are able to just respond to each other and emotions still arise now, but our emotion, our emotion management in our conversations has improved greatly. And I think yeah. that's because, you know, we just learn each other, learn each other's, you know, communication styles, learn when each other's getting comfortable or uncomfortable, learn how to approach certain situations with the other person like Takia. For me, uh, I'm the, I'm not the talker. I literally get anxious. Like I have actual anxiety when it comes to talking and it's not even about, it doesn't even have to be about uh, like when I've done something wrong, it's anything regarding emotions, whether I'm in the wrong or in the right, I will get in, in anxiety. I speak to a counselor and this counselor doesn't know from me, know me from a can of paint and I still get anxiety going to speak to the counselor that I hired. She's learned how to approach conversations to get me to calm down, to get me to relax. And I'm pretty sure she's noticed, you know, at the beginning of a conversation, I'll be much more tense. I'll have shorter answers. But as the conversation conversation goes along, I'll start to speak more freely. I'll start to get a little bit more playful and get more comfortable in my answers. And she'll get, you know, what she's looking for out of the conversation and I'll get through the conversation because that's what I'm looking for. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. And I think, I think another thing with that is learning how to help each other because you, when you get married, you see everything about another person, the good, the bad, the ugly. And for me, it was hard because I'm a talker. Like I, I got my degree in religion with a minor in psychology with the, the intention of becoming a Christian counselor one day. So I can talk. I can talk to you for hours. And it was hard for me when I realized, you know, when we got married, that talking uh, would, would be limited about certain things. And I'm a big talker about my emotions because I like to process things out loud. So it took me a while to, it was kind of like just stumbling through at first accepting that my spouse has anxiety when it comes to this. My spouse is not me. And so now we have to find tools for him in an area where I feel like this should be easy. And I think for me, that's when I felt, that's when I really felt like I started to become a wife because everything else was just, oh, just my way or whatever. But then when I really started to open my eyes and see you, it was like, no, okay, this is a real problem. This is a real difference. And the help part, because I think some wives kind of have this, this mixed up. The help is not to make them like you. The help is to make them become the best version of themselves that God intended them to. So I'm not helping him. I think at first I was helping him with the intent of you need to be just like me. We're going to have long conversations. It's going to last five, six hours. <laughs> and that's 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 how it's going to be. Now it's, okay, I need to help you because being able to process through your emotions is important. Now, it don't have to take five, six hours. You don't have to do it like I do it. But it does have to be done in order for you to be a healthy person. So that's the goal now. 
not making you like me, but making help helping you to become the best version of yourself. Yeah, and that's definitely true. I know when it comes to things of that nature, especially when it comes to this talking piece, I mean, I feel like Takia is willing to go to the ends of the earth to get me to communicate verbally <laughs> as best as I can. If she had to put out little puzzle pieces or something, if she got to put out, you know, stick the triangle in a triangle, if you're sad, stick the certain <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's how remedial it had to get for me at a certain point. And even to this day, it's still like, I still have to do that a lot now the writing thing, you know, a lot of people wouldn't be willing to do that. Like I'm writing entire three, four page letters sometime to her with my thoughts. And she has to respond to these written. Like that's the way it works. She's knows she's going to get the best response out of me. If she responds to what I've written in written form. Hmm. So now she has to take time out of her day to write another one, two, three page letter back to me when we could say this, this entire conversation in 20 minutes. Now you take 30 minutes per writing <laughs> and you got to wait for the other person to respond. But that's how much she's willing to help me throughout this process. And she, she doesn't, she didn't have to, well, she doesn't always have to break her back to do that. Cause sometimes she thinks she's slick, but she'll <laughs> manage to slip into a conversation about what I wrote. Oh yeah. And you know, she has a very good way of doing it. So, you know, if I don't catch her or if I'm not completely uncomfortable, I'll let her speak. And next thing you know, we've had a two, three, four hour conversation. Yes. Two, three, four hours yes. of talking. <laughs> that's, that's what she needs. And I think um, another thing that clicked for me is we were talking in the car one day and she said that conversation is to her. What, uh, what is it? Video games is to me. Yeah. I was like, Oh dang, it's like that. <laughs> okay, all right, I understand because it's the exact opposite for me. Conversation literally gives me anxiety. Conversation. Now, uh, when it comes to emotions, I don't want to sit and act like I'm just a nervous wreck. When it comes to like emotions and stuff like that and talking about my innermost, deepest thoughts and feelings, that's when I get anxiety. But um, that's the opposite for her. Like it calms her to the point where like she just chilling. We could be talking about some of the most difficult stuff of course, in the beginning, it'll be hard. But if she feels like the conversation is contrite and thoughtful and meaningful, she'll be in the most blissful state after. <laughs> I'm like, how we just talk about that? We just talk about your dog dying and, you know, <laughs> your cousin just got ran over. But we talked. Right. And now it's all better. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's why we spend so much time on communication because that's literally how important it is and understanding the other person's style of communication and not wanting to change them, I think makes the marriage more beautiful because now I don't know if we'd ever do this or something. I think, I think you said it in, in when we first started one of the relationship books, but it'll be a chronicle of how we felt. So now we have this this piece of liter literature that we can read, we'd probably be like 30 years in, looking at what we were dealing with at Man. this stage. And we now have that record. It's not just like, oh, well, Takia said it, so it's true because she remembers everything. It'll be a real, like, oh my gosh, this is where we were at year one. This is where we were at year two. Yeah, this is where we were. Like, that's the... I uh, you could pass that down to your children once they get older because, you know, these uh, these things can get pretty graphic in our letters. We could let it all hang out. Oh, yeah. So once they're older, maybe they could, you know, if they really need some help in their relationships, you could make a book out of this. <laughs> I mean, literally, because I think a lot of people are, they're, they're not realistic about what happens in a relationship, about what happens in a marriage you literally go through stages where I think even, even early on, you know, everybody always talks about, Oh, I'm in love and I'm blah, 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 blah. There are some days where you don't feel in anything, but you still keep going out of your commitment. And the reality that marriage is what God wanted for you to this person. So I think it's, it's interesting to be able to have something that shows the rawest of emotion between a husband and a wife. Yeah, it's definitely a beautiful thing. 
Uh, it's not beautiful when you're in it. No. But looking back on it, it definitely is something that, you know, you could look at it and see, okay, we actually worked through that yeah. via this form of communication. Other things have been worked through via conversation. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's whatever... Whatever you need to do, like, that's another thing I want you to know. Whatever communication style works for you, man, if you need to draw pictures to your spouse, do that. (laughs) Whatever works for you, because at the end of the day, you're trying to make your marriage work for you. As long as it's done in a positive manner and it's done for a positive result, you're not trying to hurt the other person. You know, if you guys both have the same end goal to get better, that's the most important thing. Like, don't. Let somebody tell you that you have to talk about this or you have to write about this or you have to draw a picture about this. You must talk about this in person. There are sometimes <laughs> we would just talk over the phone. Yeah. Like we had to not be in, we couldn't be in the house together. We had to talk over the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then talk about the situation. Yeah. So whatever it takes. Yeah. But I tell you, we got through the conversation and we've managed to come to some sort of resolution or we gained some sort of progress on the issue that we're having. But you have to have the communication take place some way, shape or form in a positive, safe manner. Yeah. Because some people think, OK, well, I mean, I could yell at my per- I could yell at my partner and then just go upside the head. And that communicates <laughs> to them that they shouldn't do what they did or if they're going to get some <laughs> upside the head. Right. No, 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 no. We don't do that here. OK. I might agree. You might agree. We don't do that here. Yeah. But I think it's it's uh it's it's a good point to make that there are some things that you can talk about and not be like near each other. I think we learned that very even in dating, it was it was just better through text. And I think it's because with us being so young, there is a lot of needing to learn how to control emotions. So when you got all this love and all this passion and all this whatever you want to call it, and then the person is not seeing things the way you want to see them, or the person is bringing in new ideas that challenge the very thing that you just knew was right, that's that's hard. It's really, really hard. And it's like, sometimes it's, oh, I just want you to see it my way. So it becomes that type of emotion. Or sometimes it's just as we talk through things that have happened in our relationship, like I think in the video game situation, for me, it was, it came out of a hurt place. So it's like, wow, you really just don't want to be with me. And then you just sitting there like, what are you, are you talking, talking about? about? Yeah, like, like, we wasn't even doing that. And I was just- <laughs> yeah. Like, and that would be your thing. Like Takia, like we just watched Game of Thrones. I don't, I just, I don't know what else you want. Like, and for me, I'm all like tears and do you want to be married? Like <laughs> it was, what? and it was bad because I, I had this um, idea that you would want me or I would feel wanted based on how you responded in certain situations that, I mean, it was completely unrealistic. So it took us a little while to get to a place where we could be honest about what was actually going on. I could be honest about um, my unrealistic expectation of you knowing when to get off the game. And then you being honest about, well, I think I may have gotten consumed in this. So I think it's it's been beautiful to look back. It wasn't, like you said, going through it. It, was, it wasn't fun. Man, look, we ain't, well, we are telling you a lot of stuff we read in the book. But we also telling you what we know. Right. Like we lived through it. Tested it. Tried and true. It tested us. <laughs> right. So, I mean, look, communication, people, like, that's that's the biggest thing. Like, if we had communication down packed from the jump, Ooh. we would have avoided so many different issues, vulnerability, just being honest with the other person, having a naked marriage, being completely honest, yeah. open, yeah. vulnerable with your spouse. We would have avoided so many issues. Of course, it's easy to say, yeah, I mean, if I would have did that, that would have been what I'm telling you. Hmm. And I would tell you, uh, I mean, try to avoid it. Like, try to work on your communication from the jump, from yeah. the beginning. Like, open, honest, open, honest, o- naked. Open, honest, and then not leaving anything out. 
Like, and when I say not leaving anything out, sometimes we will be honest, but we won't say what's really going on. Like, I think in one of our, um, we when we were writing back and forth to each other one time, I, I wrote something from a very different perspective. And you kind of gave me the thumbs up or whatever, <laughs> like Trump does to the nation. But for me, as when I went back and I read it, I was like, I communicated from a place of true honesty because it's one thing to say I'm hurt. It's another thing to say I'm hurt because, and I think that brings a different level of understanding to the other person. So for me, if I could have early on said, okay, um, I got abandonment issues. And even though you're in the same house as me, I kind of feel like you're leaving me for that thing for whatever it is, I wasn't able to say that. So for you, all you keep hearing is, she crazy. I married her. Of course I want to be with her. But it was coming from a deeper place. Right. That level that level of understanding is key. I, I, I can't stress that enough. Uh, you have to say what's behind the hurt. Mm -hmm. There's one thing for you to say, hey, you know, I want you to spend more time with me. Okay, I'll spend more time with you. And then when I do spend more time with you, you'll be like, why didn't you spend more time, even more time with me? <laughs> now I'm sitting there like, man, what do you want? Okay, right. I'll, spend, I'll spend even more time with you. But when you say this is what it is and why, I now understand mm -hmm. where you're coming from. And then it may not alleviate all the stressors of the relationship, but it definitely should give the other person, it definitely will give the other person insight. And then from that insight, it then breeds compassion right. and understanding. Right. So, for example, like the example Takia gave in those moments when she wants even more time and more time and more time. I understand. Trying to make me sound crazy. <laughs> no, I'm just saying <laughs> like I'm trying to say, take it to the extreme. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Just like for me, when it came to when it came to the video game, like that was, you know, growing up me i say a socially awkward or whatever uh that was the way i connected with people because you know four or three or four of my best friends we we stayed in communication all throughout middle school and high school via the xbox and, and it may sound loser loserish to you whatever and i call it what it is but i went to three different uh middle schools and then in high school you know I had to make new friends all over again and I never seemed to fit into any social group as much as I would like to, as much as what I, I thought I should be fitting in or how I should be fitting in. But the whole time throughout middle school and high school, I had these same group of friends and we all played video games together. So that was a point of uh, socializing for me. And then it's like, you know, that's all I did kind of being a hermit you know isolating myself because of the social awkwardness at school that's all i did yeah. so when i brought that into the relationship okay i'll try to do the relationship thing <laughs> and then I'll, she'll say what's required of me i wasn't feeling the relationship out i was trying to just listen so with certain skills that i didn't have you know that you should just have but i was listening to what she requested i did what she requested i thought that's what was done in a relationship okay you just do what they're asked for and then boom it's over that's not the case but that's what i did <laughs> so i did that and then boom i went back to playing the xbox the video games i mean that's what i did you know wake up play xbox you know go to work come home chill with your wife play xbox go to sleep wake back up go to work <laughs> i mean i thought what else was there to do i mean i'm not going out Doing, uh, going out to the strip club, not going out with the homeboys, drinking. I'm not, you know. So what else? What else is there to do? <laughs> hmm. I thought I thought I had it all. I had it all. Uh, I thought I had it all figured out. Oh yeah, and I think you said that a couple of times too. You know, I could be out doing X, Y, and Z, and I think for me, for both of us, honestly, it was important to have that time because look at how fast life has changed now. And I think I always operate in everything kind of with the mindset that I don't take this for granted because I don't know what tomorrow will be like. And now I knew like, we'd be, we're married young, 
But I knew we were probably going to start having kids early. So it would be important to get as much of us and to know us as we can because we didn't date that long. So getting to know us was a real priority for me. And of course that comes with time. And it's quality time. And you young, you married. So it's like, oh, I don't want to just be in the house. Let's be creative. Let's go somewhere. Let's do something, you know. And that played its its part in our marriage. But that was that was the thinking behind some of the decisions that were made. And of course, for you, it was just like, we'll be married. And we're going to be married forever. So what? We got all the time in the world. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. Like, I was a... Uh... I was even on Xbox one night and he's my single homies. I mean, one dude, he's been with his girl for like 10 years now. But all of them were saying, I was like, you know, I can't be on that much. I wish I could be on more. It's like, bro, what are you talking about? Like you be on, you know, two hours out of the day, every couple of days, you married. Like <laughs> you, you be on enough. Yeah. And these are dudes that's on eight hours a day. I'm like, well, I'm trying to play Xbox with, they're like, bro, if you don't go, Live your life. <laughs> like, you are on enough. Don't trip. Like, that's life. Life is happening. You're getting older. You won't be able to do what you used to do. You got a full-time career. You got a wife. Yeah. Like, that's what it is. So, I'm like, dang, okay, maybe I'm I'm real tripping in. Because these, <laughs> I came here for them to be like, yeah, you got to get on. <laughs> no. Good friends. They said, no. Nah. They said, no. Nah. That's, how much more do you want, bro? You trying you to sound like a loser. <laughs> I wasn't going to say nothing. But anyway, so I think, and then I I think another thing that wives do is think more forward, more ahead. So now it's like, oh, you're going to have a little girl now. Well, it could be a little girl or a little boy, but I said specifically a little girl because that's what we're having. Um, so that's going to require even more attention. Like, so I think in a, in a in a way, I was always trying to help prepare you for whatever was coming next. Because you you cannot put my daughter in the playpen and just be playing a game. I mean you could, but She good. You wanna you wanna spend quality time with her too. Look in the baby's eyes, thirty minutes is thirty hours. Yeah, but no. <laughs> no. I will say all of ultimately all the time that I've spent with my family, whether it's my wife or her family, I don't regret it. A lot of time I spend on the Xbox, I regret sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's important too to understand the uh, compromise as well, because it might sound like, oh, we didn't compromise. He just threw the video game out the window or something like that. And that's not necessarily the case. You deciding your marriage, what has become unbearable? What has become something that I'm going to just leave it alone? And I think ultimately for him, for a certain season, I think there are things that need to be left alone. However, as a wife, I've learned that I can no longer make those decisions. So I'll wait until, and this can be excruciating sometimes, I wait until he sees. Okay. And so he did see, he's seen at different points in our marriage that that's something that needs to be left alone. And in those seasons, I think we have grown in intimacy a lot more. Yeah, ultimately, man, I'm not about to let no technology, no Xbox get in the way, man. You got to grow up. And that's part of the maturity part, the communication part. I know we kind of got off on a tangent, but it's all important. Yeah, but I think the tangent drew in the point of communication all the way around. Yeah, because you know, it may seem like, you know, we knew this from the jump, but now this whole entire conversation has been discovered over a year and some change of yeah. heartache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think we spent this whole time on one issue because that one issue is it's detrimental. Yeah. And you, you saw it, it wasn't just because of no Xbox. It wasn't just because. Mm-hmm. She wanted to spend time. There were deeper issues. You got to talk Definitely. about this stuff. Yeah. You got to talk. And the only way that's going to work is, is through communication so that you can get to the heart of your problems. And I think over time, because we didn't ever stop communicating, we were able to get to the heart of our problems. 
Yep. And we're still communicating to this day. Even this podcast is a total form of communication. I feel like oh, yeah. I think she's slick. Now she want to do the podcast because I think she believes I'm freer on the podcast. And she, uh, yeah, sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> or maybe she just actually like talking to y'all. I don't know because she don't like talking to me. No, I'm messing with you. Oh, yeah, you got me confused with yourself. Oh, here we go. All right, oh, yep. Yeah. Time to wrap it up. You gonna start acting up. <laughs> you started it. Kiki. Anyway. <laughs> so we definitely gonna have to finish this later. But yeah, we'll have we got a lot more. We got a lot more stuff to talk about. But that'll wrap it up for the podcast for today. Yeah. I'm your host Benjamin Atkins, and this is Takia Atkins. <laughs> And this is the Atkins Family Podcast. Thanks for joining us.